Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the co-host that has now been featured on 63% of the Doc G Shows. That means 127 out of 202 shows. Dave Burles Mm -hmm. Berlin. I'm a solid D right there. Yes. 63%, boys. Yes. That's right, Dave. I counted. I counted last night because I don't use my time wisely. Nope. I counted how many shows no, you you're nothing on. Nothing better to do. <laughs> That's a fact. And you are batting six thirty right now. Yes. Six thirty. I was Dude, impressed. That's pretty. Yeah. And you know, it's been a long time this this journey with us, Doc. It's like it is three year, two and a half years now. It's three. a it's about it's three. So, yeah, three man. three years, man. And uh, you know, obviously, Oof. you overtook the Virgin Bat uh, for most appearances yes. uh, last year because Justin hiatus, oh! so you took over, and uh, you never looked back. You haven't relinquished the no. the title of most I'm co-host. not giving it up. It's in my grasp. Mo- most co-host, man. 63%. I mean, that, that goes right next to, like, the home run totals, yes! the touchdown totals, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. total Doc G shows. It's right there. Yes, yes. And uh, I also realized as I was uh, counting because I went back and listened. First of all, I was very bad at introducing the show in the first, like, two years. So true. Man, I listened to some of those, and I was like, what the f*** doing? What is this right now? Man, that was awkward. Yeah, like, what? 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 What What is this? Huh? And then the other thing I was very upset about is you not knowing the theme song to Cheers. I forgot that I did that one time, and you didn't remember. You didn't know what the Cheers song I still, was. I still don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> not, not surprising, but... Anyways, if I'm a little bit off my game today, Dave, Wait, what? Uh, I have an excuse. So okay. let me let me explain why, why I may be off my game. Are you coming down with a vid? No, i i had okay. I had a moment of hypochondria about that. By the way, I did. The other <laughs> that could throw you off. The other day, I thought so because like I we had a cold front, you know, just come through. And so my right. sinuses got affected by that cold front. I was like, I'm getting it. No. I know my my throat started getting a little itchy and I was like, again. Yeah. I was like, yeah. So soon. <laughs> then I had I had to I had to walk myself away from that cliff though as a hypochondriac. Yeah. I had to be like, no, no. Nope. No, you're fine. Nope. You're fine. You're cool. Nope. But that wasn't it, Dave. No, the reason I'm a little you're bit off <laughs> is because I was sitting in my room the uh, night before mm-hmm. last, and I was working on my computer, mm-hmm. and I start hearing the absolutely insanity-driving cadence of a smoke alarm. Oh, and oh crap. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Beep, no beep, beep. Beep, beep, beep. Girl, come on. Yeah, that. And as you know, Dave, I've tangoed with smoke alarms before. And I was like, "You sure have." Oh no, oh no! Now, had it been my smoke alarm, Dave, I would have just ripped this thing out of the wall and called it a night. However, this right. was not my smoke alarm. 
It was my neighbor's smoke alarm. No. That's right. And not only was it my neighbor's smoke alarm, it was my neighbor who does not live there. He rents the property, and no one is currently renting the property. Girl, come on. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What did you... I need to know what you did because this would annoy the oh. crap out of oh, me. Oh, it did. It annoyed the crap out of me. It turned into this whole thing. Word. I had to call their real estate agent on the front of their, their townhouse. And like I was like, hey, so could you tell the owner that their smoke alarm is going off? And she's like, oh, totally on it. It's cool, right? And she, mm-hmm. uh, she tells me that they're coming over. And the person does come over. But... They came over, and I had left the house at that time. Right. And they came over, and they came over when the smoke alarm was going off, or when it was when it was off, because it was, peri- it was periodically oh. going off. And so I came back, and like oh. 20 minutes when I get home, it starts going off again. Girl, come and on. I was like, Oh my god! <laughs> so like I. I what? I mean, I get you leaving because you're not just going to sit there while that's just going off. Well, so then I text. It literally puts you through insanity. Yeah. And then I text the agent again. She doesn't answer. And I was just like, Blam. So, like, I couldn't. You, you can't go to a hotel when, when COVID pandemic's going on. I can't do no, it. Definitely not. I can't sleep in my car. So, like. Well, you could have. Yeah, I could have, but that would have been horrible. Probably would have froze you to death as how places. cold as it so was. True. But, like, so I went, true. I went into my other bedroom and I just I, mm-hmm. I, I turned on the fan right beside my head. But I, I didn't get any sleep. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get any sleep. Like, I could still. I was going to say, are you a guy that can sleep with, like, headphones in and, like, like, no. side, like kind of quiet? No. No, I'm such a light sleeper, I can't sleep through anything. So it went off for over 24 hours, literally. And oh my god! It just—I—I may have a little PTSD from it. It's just—it's yeah, dude. I I don't blame. I mean, you know, I'm—we both—we talked about this before. You know, I'm a super light sleeper, and and that stuff, I just—I can't ignore. Yeah. You know, the, the little like I have to have my phone on. Um, do not disturb because the little like oh, vibrations yeah. will wake me up. Oh yeah, yeah. No, every night um, I'm I'm the exact same uh, dude, way. I f- before I feel for you. Before I go I to sleep, I throw it on. I throw it on. Do not disturb as well. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't take I much. Hate when you get that random email at two two a.m. Yeah, and you're like, really? I woke up from a vibration from an email. Yeah, and then the vibration again two minutes later. Yeah, and then the next two minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're like that that sucks it's it's annoying it's annoying but uh so if you're a new listener to the show and you're like man this show isn't funny or interesting or engaging well you you can blame it all on the smoke alarm catastrophe that's what happened that's why it's this and his neighbor that's That's, yes blame it on my neighbor but for not checking the batteries so true (laughs) exactly well they finally came they finally got it so it was fixed but they should have bought you dinner or something. Well, they sell, you know, they they don't live there. They're, they're probably, I, if I were them, I'd be avoiding this area too after that happened. I'd be like, hmm, nobody wants me over there. Nope. Anyways, um, but I, I thought of something else this this morning, Dave, that goes along with this. So mm. I was, I you know, I was trying to get myself out of my sleep-deprived state, uh, and, I, and I went with what most people do. I hit up some caffeine, mm. you know? And, nice. and I, was, right. I was thinking of my different options for caffeine. And as I was thinking of my different options for caffeine, I started singing the Folgers theme. 
You know the Folgers theme. The best no, part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. That one, right? You've heard that you, before. You were like the Charlie Sheen in Two and a Half Men <laughs> of theme songs. <laughs> you know literally every single one. Well, so... You know, I thought about that, right? It's a it's a pretty popular theme, especially it might be a little bit admittedly before your time, just like Cheers. So, um, a little dated, yeah. But but like back in the day, that thing was everybody knew that thing, and I started thinking about it. I was like, that's a pretty good jingle, you know? It's upbeat, mm-hmm. it's catchy, mm-hmm. it's easy, easy rhymes, everything. So true. But right. But since I was sleep deprived, disillusioned state of mind, I started actually mm-hmm. thinking about that slogan, mm. and I was like, "That's really a diss." That's a fact. It's a pessimistic diss at your <laughs> loser life. Like, think about what mm. Folgers is telling you there. They're telling you that your life is so horrible. The only good thing in your pointless life. Is getting some caffeine to your in your veins through drinking their turd water. Ew. That's it. That's all they're saying. They're saying besides that, your life isn't worth living. That's all you got going for you. That's the best thing in your life. What? What? I mean, I've had some crappy days, Dave, but I'm pretty sure I've never had one where the best thing that happened to me was drinking a, a cup of it's coffee. It's a cup of coffee. If, no. If that's no, the no, my, no, best no, no. thing of my day, then yeah, my life is horrible. That's a fact. Horrible. I mean, it, even those days where you, you know, you have nothing to do and you go from bed to couch. Yeah. Back to bed. Yeah. Still, yeah. whatever movie you watch is better than your cup of coffee. Exactly. You know, or TV show you binge. Exactly. After I thought about it a little bit, I got a little angry at Folgers. I was like, who are you to tell me that my life sucks that bad, Folgers? That my life sucks. <laughs> no way. No, it doesn't. Yeah. You know, I was like, maybe, maybe you didn't even make the top five today. How do you think about that? Folgers, maybe you weren't even the best five mm. things of my day. All right, so true. So today, Dave, I say we vow to stick it to Folgers. I say we vow to make this show a better part of our day than their coffee. Am I right? Amen, bro. Amen. Yes. The Doc G Show is way better than that stupid cup of Folgers coffee. Yes. Are you ready to fire it up? And and we last longer. What? We do. We do. I'm fired up. Let's go. Up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift off. Ah, Dave, I'm very excited. We have a terrific show today. We have the very interesting Alan Wilkes, better known on these streets as Big Data or Data, however you want to say yeah. it. Yeah, you can say it data. either way. You can throw it. You can throw it around. Data, 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 data. It's cool. Um, very excited to talk to him. Very cool guy. Uh, super interesting music career. But first, we need to hit up the birthday suit. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Okay, so um, pretty confident on this first one. You're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Probably not. I, I, this one, like, uh, I, I've I've given you a 1% chance. Jeez. Because oh, shit. <laughs> there's there's always a chance you'll get it. Um, but 
This goes right there with Cheers. So you're saying there's a chance. This one goes right there with Cheers and and Folgers. So, mm. um, but he's a good he's a good dude. He's a good dude. So, okay. Born in St. Louis, December 9th, nineteen twenty two. Our birthday suit wear as a child loved performing, and in high school he performed on the Major Bose Amateur Hour radio show. As a part of the Jumpin' Swingin' Six. In the early 40s, he met Malcolm Little, who would go on to be known as Malcolm X. That's a fact. Malcolm X always called our birthday suit wear Chicago Red, and that he was the funniest dishwasher on this earth. He started performing an edgy nightclub act that had many promoters telling him he needed to go out west. So he did. He went out west, and he became one of the first black comics to play to white audiences on the Las Vegas Strip. He made a huge break in his career when he was cast for the role of Fred Sanford on the show Sanford and Son in 1972. The show aired for six seasons, and he was known for catchphrases like, You big dummy! and complaining about his arthritis. His arthritis. Sadly, our birthday suit wear passed away in 1991, but he has been cited as an influence and major mentor to Richard Pryor, Chris Rock, Jamie Foxx, Dave Chappelle, and Eddie Murphy. Name that birthday suit wear. Hmm. Dang, man. I got no freaking idea. Yeah, say, nah, um, yeah. I, I don't even have, like, a, a guess. I, I, bet you, I bet you the name will... will uh, you know, it, it it'll be familiar. Red Fox. Red Fox. No, nothing. <laughs> Jimmy Fox is dead. No, that's why he went with his stage name though of Fox F O X X because that's the way Red Fox did his name. Yes, his real name oh, was John okay. Elroy Sanford. John Elroy Sanford was his real name, and his brother Sanford and Sons. Well, his brother's name was actually in real life Fred Sanford, so he just used his brother's name for the show. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Red okay. Fox. He was a he was a pioneer. He was sort Pi- of pioneer for black comedians. You could sort of say he was the Richard Pryor before Richard Pryor. You know. And Richard Pryor mm-hmm. was the Dave Chappelle before Dave Chappelle. Uh, I right. mean, you watch them, you, you listen to their three comedy specials in a row, you see the lineage. You see so it. So true. You, yeah. you, you, see, you see the bites from it. He, uh, he, he's got some hilarious... I mean, it's pretty amazing to listen to Red Fox and for comedy from 1950 to still be funny. That's amazing. You know, and if you're funny, you're funny. You know what I mean? Well, but but comedy has advanced. Like, see, that's the thing. And he was ahead of the, the, the comedy curve because in 1950, your normal comics of 50 were not doing self deprecating. Uh, sex comedy and and nope. you know mm. raunchy comedy. He was doing these things before right. the 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 comics of the fifties in the 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 normal fifties. It was just like we're you, telling jokes. Yeah, it was just like zingers and puns and dumb things that you know we'd probably call dad jokes now. That you'd just be like, Blam. really, <laughs> really. 
right? Fair, he he fair. was doing the actual funny stuff, man. He was way above, way ahead of his time. Red Fox. Check out some of his comedy when you get a chance. R.I.P. Red. There you go. There you go. Would have been... Let's see, 98 if he was still alive. Good yeah. Lord. Good Lord. 1922. Crazy. All right. Are you ready to rip some headlines, Dave? Let's rip it, Doc. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Dave. Hypothetically, let's say mm-hmm. you were involved in a robbery. And your role yes. in the robbery was getaway driver. Hmm. I think I'd do well at that. Okay, well, in this hypothetical, what is the number one quality you would look for in a getaway car? Hmm. The need for speed. Yes, yes. I think, I'm thinking like one step below yours, I would just want a car Mm -hmm. that's able to start, you know? That would be a good one. That can move. Yeah, yeah. Ideal. With the fellas in our next story, eh, they didn't get that quality in their getaway car. Girl, come on! They missed out on that. You don't... They, they shouldn't have turned it off if it wasn't going to turn back Yeah, it's on. very true. Very <laughs> true. So, Ray and Derek, there's some burglars from uh, Oregon. And last week, they decided mm-hmm. to go uh, rob a Kohl's department store. What? Which, mm. we could analyze why would you even think about robbing a Kohl's, but... Anyways, exactly. they're not important. They robbed the Coles. They ran, <laughs> one of them ran into the store, grabbed a bunch of merchandise, while the other waited in the getaway car. When they both got to the car, the engine wouldn't start. And <laughs> the story then says they reportedly asked multiple people in the parking lot to jump their battery. Huh? And then it says, but they didn't get the car going before the police arrived, which... Oh, man. I mean, I guess on one hand, you got to applaud the guys for not just stealing another person's car because, you know, if you're burglars, I'd think that's what you would go for, but apparently... Yeah, I don't know how you don't just jump to that. Apparently, these dudes didn't. Nope. And uh, when the police got there, they found bags of clothes from multiple stores, laptops, uh, stolen phones, stolen credit cards, counterfeit cash, mm. drugs, and many other illegal items. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Stocked up. Yeah. Now this this is where this is my favorite this is my favorite part of the story. They interrogated the two men separately, and Derek said when the cops arrived, Ray turned to him and told him, "Hey, if you take the blame for everything, I'll give you a thousand dollars." Wait, what? Mm. Just think of that. Just think of what I just said they had in their car. Identity theft, burglary, drug possession, counterfeit money. You're talking decades in jail. And this dude was like, hey, say it's all yours. I'll give you $1,000. Essentially, I'll give you a two-week paycheck from McDonald's for 30 years of your life. Sweet. (laughs) What? What? Girl, come on! Not surprisingly, Derek uh, declined this offer. Um, so when the cops asked Ray about everything in the car, his response to them was, you know what? All these items belong to my wife. Girl, come on! 
Oh, nice. He blamed it all on his wife when Derek wouldn't take the fall for him. Wow. Can you imagine Very his... Very manly of him. Can you imagine his wife reading this article? If I was that wife, I would divorce him so fast. You, what? Throw me under the bus for all of these things. Are you serious? Oh, my God. Girl, come on. Come on. Uh, Dave, real quick here. Got a, got a real headline from MichiganLive.com. Quote, man not wearing pants at next, uh, next door food store attempts to flee Ottawa County deputies. deputies. Mm. So, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I too wish to not have to wear pants <laughs> at the grocery store now <laughs> so true. now the thing that i love about this though that really drew me in obviously the no pants drew me in yes! and then once i started reading the story is where i found something kind of funny about it it says so workers at the next uh door food store called the police for the incident uh with the exposure of a, a man and a decent exposure with man with no pants the caller provided mm. the a suspect description and the vehicle he drove off in it then says, after a brief chase, the accused man was apprehended. Hmm. I mean, Dave, don't get me wrong. I'm all for innocent until proven guilty. But mm -hmm. was this dude wearing pants or not? I mean, if he was still not wearing pants when they arrested him, I don't need. I don't think they need to say accused. Nope. I think they can be like, this is the guy. And he's guilty. Right. He's not wearing pants. <laughs> he's pantsless. Like, I mean, you don't need to put the title accused if he's sitting there pantsless. So it's like, you know, I mean, you know, it's like if you show up and there's a guy and you're like, hey, did somebody eat my chocolate pie? And there's a dude with chocolate pie all over his face. And he's like, no, I, I didn't. Mm -hmm. kind of, it's, it's probably that guy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, now, Dave. As, as the uh, listeners of the show are aware, uh, when it comes to movies and TV shows, sometimes you don't know characters. That's a fact. You know? Sometimes, uh, yeah. sometimes you don't. Uh, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess you know the movie Elf. Hmm. I have seen the movie Elf. There you go. Correct. There you go. Well... As you know, and I know it's Will Ferrell. Oh, there, you, there it is. You even know the person too. Look at you go, checking things off. I'm on a roll. Well, in that movie, you know. Spoiler alert: anybody that hasn't uh, seen Elf, turn off your your podcast. Um, anyways, uh, in Elf, Buddy the Elf goes off to find his real dad. That's the whole premise of the movie. Well, Doug Henning, uh, he's an adopted man. And he's been adopted since he was an infant. And he's now 43. And he's never met his biological dad. And mm -hmm. he was going to meet his biological dad for the first time this past week. Mm. So, wow. yeah, it's pretty crazy. So he was going to go meet his uh, dad at the Boston airport. Raul is his dad. And he was going to meet Raul at the airport. So, mm -hmm. Doug thought it would be pretty cool if he was going to break the ice uh, of meeting his dad by acting like Buddy the Elf. Wait, what? So Doug, oh, dressed up in the costume, 
He same sang the same song as Will Ferrell did in the movie. Everything to a T to his dad Raul in the uh, airport. The only if pro- you never want to see your biological father again, <laughs> this is how you do it. Well, the only problem was Raul had never seen Elf. Oh my gosh! He had oh. no idea what his son was talking about. Can you imagine what Raul was thinking? Like, hmm. I mean, in his mind, he's like, "Okay, this is this is your son you haven't seen in forty three years. It's pretty, pretty, pretty scary, but it's also important. Got to meet this guy." And you're like trying yep. to convince yourself, you're like, oh, "This guy's got to be. I'm a pretty cool guy, so." My son's got to be pretty cool, I'm guessing. And then you turn the corner, and there's a dude in an elf costume singing a wacky song about his dad jumping up and down. Like, jeez. I'm surprised Raul didn't just turn and run away. Like, oh, Jesus, no. I'm sorry. This is a bad decision. Like, oh. I'm not, no, he just said, I'm not, I'm not Raul. That's not me. That's I. Uh, I don't know who you're talking about. That's uh, a <laughs> different guy. I'm, uh, I'm looking for somebody else, not Doug. That's not me. It's crazy. I mean, like, thank you. Got to think though, for, uh, for Doug. That's that's going out on a limb. Like, you don't know if this. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have seen Elf, but like, not everybody. Nope. There's seven billion people in the world. There's a pretty good chance your dad has not seen Elf, and you're just gonna. Dress up like Elf? Like, it's a risky procedure there, Doug. It's just... Old move, Cotton. Luckily, Raul was cool with it. You know, they uh, 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 Doug explained it. Raul had a chuckle. He's like, I don't know what it is. They were like, ah, oh, they took some pictures. It, it turned out okay for Doug. It turned out okay. But that, well, wouldn't, that would not have been my first move, for sure. No. Not my no. first move. Uh, Dave... I don't know if you know this, but Dan, our graphic artist, he's also mm-hmm. pa- uh, painted several city murals before. Uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, on the side of buildings in, in downtown Columbia. I think he's done another one in downtown, uh, maybe Augusta or Greenville. I'm not sure. There, there's another city involved. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, another guy uh, pro- in a Doc G listening city, Peoria, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. he did he does city murals, he does city murals, and he was commissioned mm. to paint one recently. So uh, yeah. Joshua Hawkins is the artist, and he was contacted by a dude who owned a building in Peoria who wanted a mural painted on the side of his building. So uh, Josh went over there, and the guy showed him the idea of the mural he wanted which is a pretty weird mural, apparently. Uh, and they, they had a picture of it in the story. Uh, it was a picture of Cookie Monster in front of a backdrop of a city. And the, the, yeah. the city was, was Peoria. And, and then in Russian writing at the bottom of the uh, mural, it says, World mm-hmm. period Earth period cookies period. Hmm. That's it. That's... that's <laughs> It's a real think piece, I mean, right? In the in that order. Yeah. In that order. Yeah. World Earth Cookies. That's it. Um. Anyways, so the the man that owned the bu- uh, building, uh, bought the paint for uh um 
uh, Joshua, and he gave him half the money up front. He was like, here's half the money. When you finish it, I'll give you the rest. You know, pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was such right. a good deal that Josh, uh, he was paid enough, a couple thousand dollars, he was paid enough to get a couple of helpers for his job, you know, while he's painting, you know, do like the easy mm-hmm. parts or whatnot. Um, sure. Took him a little over three days to complete. And uh, the owner of the building came over, checked out the work, liked it, paid him the rest of the money. Josh went on his way. A few days later, Joshua got a call from uh, Nate Comte. Comte? Comte? I don't know. C-O-M-T-E. I don't know. How would you say that? mm. Comte. Mm. Comte? Let's go with Comte. Uh, Nate Comte called him up. And Nate Comte said, hey, I'm the owner of the building that you painted a giant mural on the side of the wall. And I don't want that mural on the side of my building. Wait, what? Apparently, Nate Mm. was the actual owner of the building. And whoever had contacted Josh was not. He was just some dude that paid him Mm. to put a mural on this wall. So uh, Nate was not a fan of the mural. And uh, Josh tried to tell him, like, hey, I I thought this was your building. I'm sorry. I didn't know, right? Uh, and they talked about it, and Nate was very angry. But eventually he came around and was like, okay, I'm not going to press charges. But he did uh, paint over the mural with uh, white paint. He got completely rid of the mural. Girl, come on! Uh, now, oh. the author of the article... Dumb. Uh, the uh, the author of the article tried to give a little speculation into what he thought was going on here, and he thought that it was either a friend or foe of Nate's that was pulling off an elaborate prank. And you know, I mean, I like, see that. yeah, I guess. But I was like, eh, you're gonna spend thousands of dollars. Dude, my thing, my thing is, is that. You know, these murals, especially in social media, go viral, and then that attracts people to your yeah. big building and business. So it's like, it's not, I'm sure the guy did a good job. Yeah, he you did. Know, it's like, why he would did. you? I, like, I think, I think the dude that asked him to do it was just the dude that wanted to see a giant cookie monster mural. And he was, he saw that building and he was like, you know what? Building looks semi abandoned anyways. We'll just, I'll just say I own this building. <laughs> And nobody will actually complain about it because nobody cares because that building's not being used for anything, right? I think that's, you know, that Mm. seems like what it was to me. But then the other interesting thing was, was that the owner, Nate, he, you know, he, he, he made some comments in this, uh, in this news article and he, he was super mad saying who could be dumb enough to be fooled into doing this mural. And I was like. I gotta be honest, if I'm Joshua, like, I don't think I'm asking to see credentials if you own that building. Nope. I mean, no. that would be weird if you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do this unless you show me the deed to this building. Like, right. what? Like, I mean, let's say you own a lawn maintenance company and somebody tells me that they want their lawn mown. If I go over there and they give me the address and they're standing in the yard and they're like, here's your money. I'm not going to be like, uh, let me see the deed to the house and matching identification, or I'm not on this lawn. Like, 
not happening. I'm just going to be like, oh, this is a person's lawn. Same thing here. I'm like, oh, a person had building. Like, come on, dude. Leave. And then, right. he, then he painted over it. Sad. Sad. Uh, okay. Uh, Dave, I've I, I've got uh, I got a, a a very dependable way to make most people in the world angry. This okay. is, this is how you make people angry: uh, promise them money, and then don't give them that money. That's a fact. It's a Ooh, it's a good way to make you every time. Yeah. Uh, now you would think most people know this about other people. That that's a way to make them angry. But apparently, right. Safety Warehouse, which is a company in New Zealand, they were unaware of this concept. So, uh, Safety huh. Warehouse has been marketing a campaign where they said they were going to create New Zealand's first ever cash drop. Word. Where they were going to mm-hmm. drop $100,000 from the sky. Now, I mean, first of all, Dave, that sounds like a recipe for disaster for me, even in the best circumstances, right? Sounds like mayhem. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, you know, anyways, they were going to do it. And they kept promoting it, and they were like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do this. And last week, they did it, right? The plane flew over. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people had shown up. They'd driven from all over New Zealand to come to this free cash grab, right? And it started. Mm-hmm. They started dropping the money. But it didn't take long before the people picking up the money realized instead of actual money, they were coupons that were made to look like money. Wait, what? They were good for 30% uh, off at Safety Warehouse. Slam. Oh, man. That would f- me off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Man, that would f- that grinds my gears. Not too surprisingly, the folks weren't happy about this. Nope. They rioted and burned the building down. <laughs> well, and like much <laughs> of the world, the economy in New Zealand is not doing so well because of the pandemic. So people were pretty right. desperate to get that cash. And then there wasn't any cash. So they weren't mm. too happy. Like, I got I to gotta wonder, Dave, who at this company... Who at Safety Warehouse thought this would be a good idea? They're like, hey, right. here's what I was thinking. We're going to tell everybody that we're dropping real money on the crowd. Sweet. And then mm-hmm. we'll just drop some coupons on these people. And when they find out their coupons, they will be psyched nope. and buy tons of gear from Safety Warehouse. Nope. No. Not. No. Who's going to do that? Like, come Nobody. on, man. Like, I thought about it. And if I was in that marketing meeting, I'd be like, guys, here's what we do. At least we drop like $5,000 yes! in with the coupons. And then we can just inflate mm-hmm. how much we dropped and be like, oh, yeah, we dropped the 100000 There were just a bunch of coupons with it, too. And then, you know, right, people can't right. deny it because they, the, they, they, they got like a $1 no bill it. in there. Yeah. And these people were just dumb, man. They just dropped coupons. Now you're just going to make everybody mad. So true. Everybody hates you. Come on. Jeez. Safety. They need to hire you on the board, Doc. I mean, just quality thinking. You know, it's what you do when you have PTSD from smoke alarms. Word. Anyways. That's true. We are going to take a break, Dave. We are going to hear from our guest. This is Big Data. 
with see-through right here on the Doc G Show. And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Dave? Ladies and gentlemen, mm-hmm. whatever you do, help us out and download your podcast downloading app mm-hmm. and look up the Doc G Show. Mm-hmm. Yes! Download it, give us five-star rating, subscribe to the, the weekly um, shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes! It'll help us. Yes. And then comment something. You know, we love it. Yes. Then go on the website, www.thedocgshow.com. Check out all the stuff Doc's got on there for you. And then also on the Instagram, at Doc G Show. That's right. Boom. 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 Do it. Yes. Yes. Dave, I have a miscellaneous file to bring up. Hmm. This is this right. this is what I told you b- before we came on the air, I was like, I want to tell you live because it's exciting. Uh, oh. So, I thought that that was going to be your fire alarm. I was like, nope. No. Well, he could have gotten no. a response. No, no. <laughs> Regardless. No, no. This is something else. This is better. So last week, our fellas, mm-hmm. Magic City Hippies, had a, mm-hmm. an exciting uh, announcement on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They had an announcement mm-hmm. that they were finally putting out on vinyl their Hippie Castle EP, their original EP. They had Ooh. never put that out okay. on vinyl. And so they made that. You are a vinyl fiend. I am. I am. And they made that. They made, you know, whenever you make a vinyl, you have to make a test press. That's a fact. Right? The, mm-hmm. the company mm-hmm. that's making the vinyl does the first one for you to listen to as the artist and approve. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the Magic City Hippies uh, decided that they were going to put up the test press for auction and all sign mm-hmm. it as mm-hmm. a group. Say what? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And so they put that on eBay. And guess who won it, my friend? Guess who? This guy right here with the big beard. That's right. Doc G. Won the vinyl, my friend. Yes. Now, I'm not going to lie. I went broke buying it. It was a hefty price. There was somebody that was trying to outbid me, and I was like, you son of a bee. You're not beating me out. Oh, I see. This isn't happening. I see. You spent a pretty penny. I did spend a pretty penny, but guess what? It is now going to be in the center collection of the studio's vinyl yes! right there. A one-of-a-kind test press signed by the group. And the best thing that I had no Sick. problem spending a pretty penny for it, it all went to mm-hmm. charity. It all went to feed nice. feed uh, needy families in Miami. Sweet. So I can, there you go. I can sleep good knowing that I dedicated over a half a G to needy families in Miami. Yes! Very good. Very you good. Sure did, man. Shout out to you. Props to you. Props Shout out to Magic City Hippies. You know, yeah. donating to charity. I th- I I thought, um, you know, this I- this bid war was this a last 10 minute bid war mm, just back mm, and forth? I I killed it before that. 
I could see it brewing into that, and I could see the person was going to try to like sneak one in on me, and I was like, no, no, no. I, I need to let them know right now I'm willing to outbid them. That I'm them. here. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. higher. That's right. And for a second, I thought I was like, I was like, you know what? Hey, I, I, I don't need to spend this much on this. This is, I shouldn't spend it. I was right. like, and then I was like, it's charity, man. So true. Yeah, I'm going to spend that much. Mm-hmm. It's charity. Why not? I'm giving to somebody else. I'm going to spend as much. I'm going to sure. spend as much as possible. And I did. And I got it. Yep. There it is. There it is. I'm very proud of it. Awesome, man. Very excited. Very excited. So it was like three days before we had like a real bidding war. We went back like like eight times in one day. And I was just like, no, I'm going higher. I'm going higher. And first, I, <laughs> at first, I was it was little bits. It was like $10. And then it was like $10. Yeah. And then I was like, and he wasn't backing mm-hmm. off or she wasn't backing off. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know gender, nope. but uh, I was like, you know what? Okay, we're bringing out the big dogs. I'm going 50 now, 50 more, 50 mm-hmm. more. When are you going to call your bluff? And he stopped, and I was like, that's mine. Yeah, Magic City Hippies. Well, I'm surprised he didn't do that last minute. Just yeah, shenagle on you. I think, I think the one thing that got him was I, I put an automatic bid on there higher, so he realized... Yeah, but they, they, he put he put in a couple and realized as soon it. as he did anything it was happening. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah. it was good, man. I'm really I'm really happy with it. Very excited that it's going to be in our studio. Awesome. Very excited that I I can have a part of Magic City Hippies history. Very happy to have that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, Dave. Uh, moving on. I've got one. This this is just a this is just an interesting leftover story here, real quick. Uh, Dave, okay. if there's one thing that bears are known for liking to eat, what would it be? Hmm. Honey. Exactly. Exactly. And there were some bears in Washington that proved that mm-hmm. love this past week. So, uh, Kaylee Holcomb in Washington State, mm-hmm. she keeps beehives mm-hmm. in her backyard. And uh, mm-hmm. these beehives are also used for teaching purposes at Green River College. Sweet. They teach uh, beekeepers mm. best practices back there. How to? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so the beehives are in the backyard, and they're behind an electric fence. Um, however, the bees and the electric fence did not slow down these hungry bears. Word. So mm. the the yard had twenty two hives. In, in in it, and each of the uh, right. hives had eighty to a hundred pounds of honey in them. Eighty mm. to a hundred pounds. Jeez. The bears so much honey. took out all the honey, ate all the honey by the time that the researchers realized what was going on. Wait, what? That mm-hmm. that means these bears. Ate a metric ton of honey. A literal that blows my ton mind, of honey. They basically ate 10 to 15 people's weight in honey. It's insane. Matt Stoney. Oh my gosh. Matt, how many how many bears were were there? They don't know. They don't know how many came up, oh. but it was only it was only a couple hours that they hadn't looked at the hives and then they came back and they were just like, "Dear sweet Jesus." And they knew it was bears cuz you know, they basically just tore the beehives destroyed everything. Yeah. Yeah, but like right. my god. I mean, Matt Stoney 
who's been on the show before, who is an eating behemoth, right? One of the eating mm-hmm. challenges that he did was he ate three pounds of honey, and he thought he was going to nearly die after that. These bears ate mm. 730 times the amount of honey Matt did and trotted off to hibernate. And we're like, cool. See you guys later. Oh All right. Oh, my goodness, man. It's insane. Ugh. Bears, man. Insane. Okay. Okay. Wow. We are going to shout out to bears. Shout and out. along with bears, we are going to give some international shout outs. Last week was a yes. banner week for international. We had... Okay. The most listens I have seen since I've been looking at these analytics on international shoutouts, mm. and I was very excited. So nice. We, yeah, we got to shout them out. I'd like to hear that. So here we go. I'm just going to do them fast. Get ready for this. This is going to be fast. Spitfire. Malaysia, shout out. Shout French out. Polynesia, shout, shout out. out. Italy, shout out. Shout Vanuatu, out. shout out. Finland, shout Singapore, out. Lebanon, Indonesia, Canada, Thailand, Slovenia, Taiwan, Netherlands, Israel, Belgium, Switzerland, Australia, Ireland, Spain, United Kingdom, Estonia, Brazil, and Russia. Boom. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All of you guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. And especially, of course, our regular internationals. I want to give a special shout-out. Spain, Ireland, UK, Russia. Thank you guys for listening, especially. You guys are always there. We appreciate it. But honestly, man, Mm -hmm. all of those those countries, can you believe that? It's crazy. That's right. It's It's crazy. To think that people listen to us talk in that many places around the world is mind-boggling. Somebody sitting in French Polynesia is like, you know what? That Doc G show is all right. Well... They may have said it sucked, but at least they were listening for a little bit. You know, at least that happened. So, I mean, <laughs> right. you know. Right. Oh, and I forgot Italy, too. Sorry. I said regulars, and I didn't include Italy. My bad, Italy. Did not mean mm. to leave out the boot. I'm sorry. Do not stop listening. Yes, please do not. Uh, but th- amazing. Amazing, guys. You are what keep me going. So cool, man. Uh, also, let me give just a real quick rundown. Uh, top shows. Uh, number five, Trevor Hall was the uh, fifth most listened to show, September 9th, 2020. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Had real, real good time with that one. Grandson, October 28th, 2020. That's the fourth most listened show. Very good show there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Magic City Hippies, number three. There it is. Very excited about that one. Number four, uh, November 4th. Then number two, Moon Taxi, Thanksgiving special, 2020. There it is. And then number one, of course, last week's show, a fantastic one. Had a great time with it. Grayson Nekrutman, December 2nd. Good stuff. Good stuff. Check out all those shows. Okay. Awesome. Um, This is the birthday suit that I think you can get. I'm giving this one a 78%. It might, it should probably be Mm. a little bit higher than that, but. Word. I'm being conservative. You know what? I'm going to give it higher than that. Yes! 88%. There you go. There it is. Okay. Okay. Born in uh, on December uh, 9th, 1995 
in New Orleans, Louisiana. Our birthday suit wearer was 10 when he had to move to Richmond, Texas because Hurricane Katrina displaced his family. Hmm. By the time our birthday Damn. suit wearer moved to Texas, he had become very good at basketball. And by the end of high school, he had committed to the University of Kansas to play. Our birthday suit wearer played only one season at Kansas, averaging 9.3 points, 5.0 rebounds, and 1.1 steals per game. In 2015, he was selected by the Hawks, 15 overall, but his rights were traded to the Wizards as soon as the draft ended. Hmm. After three years with the Wizards, he was traded to the Phoenix Suns where he spent two seasons. Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre is correct. Yes. Let's go. Nicely done, sir. I don't think I would have gotten that one. That's why I had it down at 78%. You, I uh, I was going to give you the last clue that I also compared him to uh, Dave Chappelle's Prince on this show at one point in time. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> He's got the flow. He did. Uh, this past season, he had his best uh, season with the most points and most rebounds. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty dang impressive. Six point four. Get there. Six point four rebounds a game and eighteen points a game last season. Uh, yeah, man. Been he's a good. He's a good uh, piece. Traded to the Warriors in the off season, so he's now on the Warriors. Oh shoot, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That'll be interesting. In that big old trade with uh, with uh, Chris Paul and all those other folks that were in that thing. Uh, okay, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with our guest this show, Mr. Alan Wilkes. Big data right here on the Doc G Show. What's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And it's Rockin' Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today, we are very lucky and very excited to have a fantastic producer, music creator, and creator of the music project, Big Data, Mr. Alan Wilkes. Alan, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing well. So before we came on, you said you, uh, you're you currently in New York? Indeed. Yep, I'm in Brooklyn. Now, have you been there the whole, the whole pandemic? The whole time. <laughs> I have... I have left my house at least uh, at least once a day. I go outside. Yeah, get a little air. <laughs> so I can sit get a little air. A little air, you know. Now maintain some level of uh, normalcy. Now I thought about this coming into the interview, and you know, you're you came into your project as sort of a producer, and you're the yep. the integral cog of creation in big data, <laughs> and so I thought, yeah. like you know you probably wouldn't have much of an issue creating music, but at the same time, I started seeing all these interviews where you talked about creating the lyrics and whatnot with all the different singers and other creators in person. Yeah, yeah. So yep. did the pandemic throw a curveball into your music creation? Um, not, not, not in that way. Because, yeah. uh, like, I've kind of 
I mean, over the course of big data, sometimes I've worked with singers and sometimes I'm the singer or sometimes mm -hmm. uh, a, a woman named Lizzie is, in my live band is, yeah. is singing as well. Mm -hmm. So like, it's not, I'm not always working with other people and con conceptually, I, I always kind of am steering the conceptual boat of mm, uh, big right, data, right. Whether, I'm, whether I'm the singer or not. So like... I wouldn't say the pandemic has affected uh, infected. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's affected the process. Freudian slip. Yeah, tell me about it. It's <laughs> definitely affected it in other ways. <laughs> but uh, but uh, in terms of just you know physically being around any other people, but uh, big data still kind of starts in my brain. Nice. You know? Now, now, have you missed? Obviously. Uh, for the last 10 months, you have not done any touring or nine months. Have you missed yeah. doing gigs? Have, have you realized how much that I mean, sort of left a void? Yeah, definitely miss it a lot. It's, I mean, it's been a long time, actually. It's the last tour I did was over a year ago. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been a while. And uh, when I'm not physically engaging with fans and talking to people, I... I can really get sort of lost in my own head and I I just it it becomes easy to forget that there are other people <laughs> on, the, uh, on on the other end of the songs and like with that yeah. that I have something to say to them it's not just me talking to myself in the mirror although there's plenty of that <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us have realized that over the pandemic yeah. yes uh, well, so along with that, though, uh, positive, we mentioned it yep. before we came on the uh, air, you, you've you got to spend time with the newest addition to your family. <laughs> Little data, as I like to Little say. data. Nice. <laughs> nice. I have a, a, a two-year-old boy, Whew. and uh, he is he's the best thing in the world. Now and he definitely does he cause some damage yeah. around the house? Does he? <laughs> he's actually pretty good. Yeah, mostly I'm just worried about damage to himself. He's in the. <laughs> he's just he's just hit the age where he's like running before thinking about uh, what he's running towards yeah. or what he's what he's looking at while he's running. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot of bonking. Minor and, uh, details. <laughs> totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that. I would say that's where the the terror comes from. <laughs> yeah, I could I could see that. Now, how does yeah. how does he get along with Tony, your dog? Hmm. Oh, they get along great. Yeah. Tony's old man. Tony's like almost fourteen, and so yeah, Tony is mostly he was always a pretty asocial dog, but at, at this point in his uh, his sunset years, he's kind of. He's a sleepy dog. <laughs> now, I know, I know you got him on there on Pet Finder. He was a rescue dog. Now, did he <laughs> Yeah, man. Did he have did he have the name Tony or did you he give did. him the name? Okay. He had the name. We had we my, my wife and I like we always liked the idea of like human names yes. for dogs. Yes. yes. Like, you know. I, that's, that's great. I, they're like little people, you know? I love that. Okay. I love when people give their animals just normal <laughs> human names. Like that, totally. like totally. Jeff, Frank. Yep. Like you just come great. in and all of a sudden it's just like Mike the cat. And you're like, really? Uh-huh. That's Mike? 100%. And it just works. That's Mike. Because like you said, they just have this, like, I can totally, like you're saying, Tony's a sleepy dog. It's like, you're like, yeah, it's Tony. He likes to sleep. Like, you know? That's like, the deal. 
It's it's so yeah. good. His, his name was his name was Tony before we got him. So and, uh, kudos. We, we met him and we were like, yeah, that's a Tony, all right. <laughs> kudos to whoever named him Tony. That was a good idea. <laughs> Moving back, we mentioned you're in New York and you yep. you've been there your whole life. You you grew up in Manhattan and yep, born and raised. You know, just thinking about that. Uh, and, and hearing you talk about your inspirations in other interviews, and you, I've heard you talk about, you know, Prince uh, to the Beach Boys to Pearl oh, yeah. Jam to hip hop artists. Do you think growing up in a city like New York uh, sort of set the table for you just loving all types of music? Yeah, I mean, definitely. When you grow up in a city, I mean, New York is obviously exceptional in a lot of ways but if when you're in a when you're in a dense place like that yeah. and you're just around so many people and so many different cultures and so many different foods and restaurants and types of music venues and museums or whatever there's so much culture kind of everywhere yeah. that you're exposed to all of it i'm saying you i, I should just be saying i was exposed <laughs> to all of this, this tremendous diversity yeah but also like it just becomes normalized yeah as it should be it just becomes part of like how you see everything yeah the way i think about music is very much like just pulling from all sorts of different influences and not worrying too much about like is this an 80s song or is this <laughs> like a whatever song it's like no it's like i just like this combination of odd unrelated things and that makes sense to me yeah and i think growing growing up in in a such a broadly diverse place definitely influences the way that i think yeah in that way i mean you see it you think about like i was just thinking about that time you know transitioning from 80s to the 90s in new york and you're you've got i mean hip-hop exploding You've got so like, you've got grunge music I was like, going. I was, a, I was eight years old. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say that I was like at the, yeah. the forefront of whatever the transition was, but I was there. <laughs> yeah, you still. You, that's the thing. You were still hearing it. You know, everywhere yeah. you go, it was around, and you just got all of those things. And, and obviously, New York is just that venue that everybody wants to to go if they can. Some totally. some place totally. there. Uh, and spe yep. speaking of those influences, I heard you say in one interview your first musical memory was your parents getting the Thriller <laughs> album. Sweet. Yeah, man. That, Dude, I'm impressed with. I gotta say, I'm impressed with your your uh, research here, man. Well, I, I appreciate it's funny. Appreciate it. It's funny. I was gonna say this later when we get to big data, but I couldn't help the whole time I was researching your career and your music that I was like, this is perfect for big data. I'm, I'm just some dude that's never met you before. Just it, looking all these things up being like, Oh, here's some info about him. Oh, here's some more info more about him. Like, you know, miscellaneous. like, and it was funny cause I was watching an interview of you being like, yeah, you end up on like some dude's wedding pictures and you don't even probably shouldn't even be looking at those. And I'm like, yeah, that's me right now. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm doing. Like <laughs> it was yeah, pretty much little, little ironic, man, little ironic, yeah. but as, I love it. I love it. As far as, as far as thriller, obviously huge, yep. huge album. 
Uh, oh yeah. I mean, did you? Yeah, that's that's really my first musical memory for sure. Like, no. I don't know. I, my my memory's pretty cloudy at this point. Like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's one of the few that I you know I can close my eyes and I'm five years old and I can everything is vivid and I'm just freaking out and running around the house while Thriller is blasting. Now, did you try to yeah. did you try to dance? Did you try the the Thriller dance? <laughs> I don't know if I was coordinated enough yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did my own bizarro. Rendition. Yeah, you did. You did. You did the kid dance that you don't care what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, at that same time, that's when you actually started. Though around that same time, like about five, was when you actually started playing music. You started. Yeah. Yeah. Playing piano. Um, yep. Now, when you my played parents, piano, was that forced by your parents, or did you want to do it? Very much so. Okay. Very much so. I mean, I enjoyed it, and like, like I, I liked sort of. I, I don't know. My parents have these old tapes of me, like you know, banging on the keys and singing. And yeah. Like, this next song is called you know, <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah. But uh, as far as the actual taking lessons, it was torture for the first few years. <laughs> Uh, but I'm so glad that I got that foundation. Yeah, um, it's decades it's, later. But at the time, it was not fun in the early days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, now, was, it really wasn't until I started playing guitar when I was 12. That's when, like, that's when I started to be able to play songs that I actually listened to and liked, and like, yeah, started to feel more like it was my thing, and like I was making the choices of what I was learning rather than. You know, now, giving, what, giving what was what was the musical inspiration? What made you say, "Yeah, guitar, I've got to play"? At that, it. at that time, it was like, I mean, it was like, yeah, Pearl Jam, Green Day, Metallica, nice. Red Hot Chili Peppers, and like it's like grunge, grunge music, and you know, alternative music, Nirvana, obviously. Yeah, so like that's so, what I listened to. That's what I identified with, and like it was my angsty years and that music kind of spoke to me the most and uh, I feel, that's all I wanted to play. <laughs> I feel like that was way less I feel like that was I don't know. I mean it's it's angsty but it just it seems so much more the 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 later like emo-y later 90s early 2000s like pop punk was so much more angsty. It just works. Yeah, better. it works better with the like. Uh, grunge is almost just angry. Like there's just like yeah, a lot of it's I just right. angry, you know. So you did you did start playing around twelve. When did you actually like? When was your first band? Did you did you My get into a band, band before college? Really, you know, I didn't really play in bands until college, and that was just kind of bad luck of the draw. Like I didn't have kids. There was really just drummers. <laughs> drummers are hard to come by. That's true. Grow up in New York. <laughs> Nobody wants like, to hear that in the apartment. Yeah, no, there's no no kids are practicing. Yeah, in the apartment building. So it was. I, I had friends that I played guitar with and bass with, but I, I didn't have a drummer. So yeah, I just didn't have. I just didn't have the access really. But I played like I'd say several hours a day I just was totally obsessive and that's all I really wanted to do and then when I got to college that's when I really started playing with other people a yeah. lot and it was I don't know just like another part of my brain 
got unlocked. Now, so you ended up going uh, to a, a small school that maybe a few of our listeners have heard of. It's Harvard. What? Don't know if anybody's <laughs> yeah, heard, heard a little of school, that. A little Little, a liberal arts college in Boston. Just trying to make it, you know. Um, yeah, but yeah. now you ended up going for English. Uh, I did. Like, did, did you think long term? Like, did you see yourself no. being a poet? or <laughs> no, not, just... not at all. I, really, the thinking was, I like books. I know I'm not going to read a lot of them when I get older. So I'm going <laughs> to try to get it all out of the way now. <laughs> That was kind of it. Okay. All right. That's yeah. there. You go. Mind yep. in the inside of a seventeen slash eighteen year old. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Totally self absorbed and uh, yeah, yeah. Short short term thinking. Uh, yeah. Little guy. <laughs> yeah. That's that's it. Well. Uh, yeah. Now I also slept all day and was like drunk most of the time. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I guess if I if I could do it over again, <laughs> I might have made some different you, choices. You but. know, I mean that th- that irritates me a little <sighs> bit when people don't say they'd do it again. I've, I've like you know, yeah. there's so many people that you see in these interviews that are like, oh, I wouldn't change anything. You're like, really? Nothing. There's not one thing I mean, that you'd be like, yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't look at it in like a regretful way. I just look at it in like, I think. Yeah, but you could improve good, on it, you know. You sure. Could, yeah. Or, or, or just in, in terms of like a living in the moment way. Yeah. It, now, now knowing what I don't have access to at this age of my life that I did have access to back then, <laughs> if I have new opportunities, I want to like hang on to them and actually take them seriously. Yeah. Like in a way, in a way that I took them for granted. Yeah. But I don't want to do it all over again. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm secure. I feel I'm. I'm happy in my good, good for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like when you were at Harvard, it, it does seem like a very exciting time because it's crazy, man. In hindsight, geez, yeah. At the time, it didn't. Things didn't seem. I don't. I mean, I'm assuming you're getting at Facebook, but like yeah. Facebook started while I was there, and yeah. like everybody got on Facebook the year it started, and it was just Harvard kids. Yeah, and there were you know a, a few hundred people on it at first, and then a few thousand, and then it didn't. It really didn't seem like a big deal. It just seemed like, oh, this is a way to kind of like, <laughs> you know, stalk girls that you <laughs> uh, met at your or like. Find find a segue like, into talking to yeah, them. Oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, mm-hmm. it literally just felt sort of small that way. And yeah. then I remember when it started opening up to other schools, and people I knew from growing up were like, "Oh, we have it now," and then we'd connect on there. And, and you know, by the time I left college, like it started to open up to lots of schools, and then suddenly. <laughs> the whole world. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Twenty years later, it's like. Uh, destabilizing uh, the very social <laughs> f- fabric of uh, humanity <laughs> now and I, 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 yeah. now did you know did you know mark i did not i never met him okay. i knew i, I knew the, the we call them the winkle boy i knew the winkle boss twins <laughs> and uh i knew the other guy divia yeah he those three guys in the story the the, fat, the mythology of Facebook, those three guys got sort of cut out. Yeah. And I think they they sued them and stuff. I knew those guys. Not well, but I, I just, like, knew them. Yeah, like, yeah. The twins, like, just these two massively tall, 
sort of strange twins. <laughs> just like everybody knew them on some level, just because they were these like they stuck out a little bit. Weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well. Uh, yeah. Well. I mean, another crazy. Jared. The other one. Jared Kushner was there too at the same time. What? Oh man. So and I knew him too, just through like social circles. The Kush stuff. bomb. So, oh man. I never. It, I don't know. I remember. I just remember my dad telling me like. You know, like some politician that he's like, oh yeah, he was in my class in college, and I'm like, you, you just don't know who, what people's lives are going to turn into. Well, you just never, you just never know, man. I mean, it's crazy. it's yeah. pretty wild. Because I mean, speaking of that, because you you were in, uh, like you said, you got into bands when you were in college, and you were yep. in the the witness protection program <laughs> band. I was now. <laughs> Yep. Now that was a bit like that was like a, a rap rock sort of it was a, hybrid. Exactly, yep. Sort of it was. definitely a creation of the early two thousands. Um, <laughs> Without a doubt. Now uh, there's actually the funny funny uh, side note there. One other guy from that band today is a very very established. Professor. No, uh, well, yeah, that the, one of the rappers is a big professor. Yeah. Right? One, the keyboard player is a big film composer and TV composer. <laughs> he did the um, he did the you know the TV show Succession. Yeah, he did the music for that. So oh. that like theme song and stuff is all man. that guy. Man, you guys, yeah. I, well, like you said, you you never know. Like I mean, yeah. I was just surprised. We played in a we played a we played an empty bar together a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you know, uh, the, the the guy that I, you were talking or I was talking about, Jacob Rubin. Uh, yep. He's he's a professor at SMU, and I just yeah. I wondered, like, I went uh, back and I was just like, I wonder if ever any of his students look this up and they call him MC Absurd. If they're like, hey, I know MC Absurd. I hope. Got you. I really hope somebody does. <laughs> I really hope so. Got to put in the legwork, guys. <laughs> students, yeah, put in man. the legwork. Come on, do it. But, Absolutely. But you guys, I mean, you guys did have a little bit of success there. You opened for Jurassic 5, uh, opened for yeah. Black Alicious. Uh, what, yeah. what, what did you learn uh, being in, in that band? In that, um, I think, well, I, I, I had really done everything by myself prior to that. That was my first real exposure to being a part of a team, like a music team. Yeah. Um, and all the pros and cons of that. <laughs> <laughs> and that band was an eight-person band. So, wow. like, having eight different opinions of what the next, you know, what the right move is or what the right song writing choice is. Or it, you, it's a whole thing. Yeah. So I, I definitely learned a lot just in that way. Sure. Also, like it was my first time really playing live in front of, you know, actual crowds rather than like a handful of people at the like jazz cafe. Well, at least so you, it was, you've got eight, yeah. you know, that can take off a little bit of the pressure of playing in yeah, bigger crowds. Sure. You just sort of sure. blend in with the rest of the orchestra there. Yeah, uh, totally. <laughs> so in between, in between that... And big data. Yep. You you released a lot of music, sort of under your name. Um, yeah, and that was that was a little bit more. It was a little bit more poppy, I would say, just in yeah. general. Um, now, did uh, were were you pursuing? 
music a hundred percent there as far as artistry no. or producing? And honestly, I wasn't. I, I wasn't even when I started Big Data. I wasn't pursuing music full time. Like in the pre-Big Data years, like I had a job, and I or the first two years I lived with my parents. Mm-hmm. I lived at my parents' house, and uh, you know, always a good feeling. Like, yeah, oh, wonderful <laughs> for the for the confidence and uh, all those different things, but. Um, I think I always was making stuff because I loved doing it and yeah. because it was fun. I put out sort of two solo Alan Wilkes records. Yeah. And then I started doing remixes for other bands. Yeah. That, that, was, that was when I started to kind of reach a larger audience. And that's when I started to, I guess, just understand the benefit of collaborating with other artists. Yeah. And like... Um, the way that the sort of feedback loop like I do a remix for this band and then my fans get exposed to this band and this band's fans get exposed to me and it's yeah kind of like an everybody wins kind of little scenario. synergy totally and that's what eventually I don't know a couple <laughs> a couple remixes later I eventually got connected to uh, Joywave mm-hmm. Dan from Joywave and yeah. manager and I just really, I really, I just connected with him in a special way. Like we started writing together just for fun, really. Mm -hmm. And there was just something different in the way that we wrote together. And I think it was right around the summer of 2012. Mm -hmm. I think think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say it's 2012. Again, my memory being a little hazy. Summer 2012 was, I think, when the light bulb went off in my head of like, I want to start a real project, not just like make these random one-off things. Yeah. And I, I want to collaborate with singers, but I want to have more of a glue to the project overall. Mm-hmm. So I want it to be more conceptual. And right around that time, I went to this wedding of another friend from college mm-hmm. who is a real-life big data scientist. Like... Yeah, he's a hardcore tech dork. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's a fact. Uh, I remember going to his wedding, and you know, he's telling me about big data and like how how much of an impact this concept is going to have on the world, and how like medicine is going to be more involved with technology, and da 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 da. And he's going on and on. It's absolutely fascinating, and it also just feels like it's going to matter in a way that. <laughs> I think people don't know. Like nobody has any clue about any of this. Yeah, and that's when. And also, the phrase "big data" just had a special ring to it. It's like something about it. It, it all. It, it all just kind of clicked, and it was the right place, right time, and right when I was looking for something to glue yeah. the ideas together. That that was really like the genesis of. So, so you already had project. the idea by that time, as far as at least the idea that you wanted to do a project that you you wanted to work with other artists yep. but you didn't have that theme or I didn't name have a theme yet. or like a I didn't have like a point to the project. Yeah. I just had like a vague idea of a project. And once I had this concept, that was right around when I got to know Dan from Joywave. Yeah. It, it was really like, man, I love this guy's voice. I love the way he writes and also I have this conceptual thing. Dan, would you like to write on this? And would would you like to work on this together? And yeah, that's really that's really how we started writing the early, the first couple of big data songs. Nice. And, and then you know, six months later, after we'd already written, 
we'd already written Dangerous, we'd already written Stroke Return and Bombs Over Brooklyn. About yeah. six months after we'd written everything, that's when the Edward Snowden story came out mm. and, st- and started to break. And like, you know, suddenly all these stories about government surveillance and how our information is being misused and made a little it all more sense. Kind of, yeah. It starts flooding the world. And I was like, I, I, you know, I knew this stuff was going to matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, just, it just kind of felt like a little tidal wave of yeah. meaning. It, it, it went from being like a thing that was fun to a thing that like actually had mattered it actually mattered really mattered and well i mean i don't know I, I, along with that uh well one it reminds me uh i had a while back on the show i think it's about three years ago um i had rich cho uh who used to be the general manager of the charlotte hornets on the show and he, oh and he worked okay. for the seattle supersonics to start off with and when he was Whoa. at the supersonics uh, he was working with Microsoft, and like oh, one man. of the guys at Microsoft was like, "Hey, Rich, there's this thing called the internet that's coming. It's gonna be crazy, right?" And like Rich, yeah. you know, it sounds so similar to the way he was talking about big data to you because Rich was like, yep. "Yeah," and I was sitting there and I was like, "This sounds so crazy. What are yeah, you saying? We're wild. gonna." And yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those things that goes along with that. Like, I mean, obviously, like you said, the, the Snowden stuff went along with it perfectly. But then again, like three years later, our, one thing after another, our, our know, election like, comes out and it shapes, uh, like, you know. In, in 2014, I had read about a, um, these mood, they, I can't remember the exact name, they used, but mood manipulation experiments that Facebook had been running. Mm-hmm. And this is way before the elections and stuff. This yeah. was 2014. And it was this story about how they were showing certain users, uh, the algorithm was prioritizing happier posts. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your, your feed might show more congratulations on your new job and, yeah. you know, congratulations on your wedding and yay, I graduated. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And then the other guys, the other guys feed was skewing more to the negative <laughs> stuff like RIP my dog. Yeah. Uh, I lost my job. I didn't graduate. Yeah. <laughs> and like they did these AB tests with users mm-hmm. to kind of see how they could be manipulated. And they didn't tell anybody that they were doing these tests. They just started doing them. <laughs> And I remember when that story broke, it just was, it repulsed me, but it also, it was everything I was afraid of was starting to happen. I wound up writing a song about that. Yeah. And that was in 2014. And then, you know, even then I wasn't thinking geopolitically, I wasn't thinking about, you know, how propaganda and governments get involved with that. I was really just thinking about like, this is messed up that a company is manipulating us and we don't even know it. They're like, not, yeah, they're not fi- following scientific principles of how you set up totally. a yeah, research study totally. properly. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, yeah, then fast forward and it's like, oh, yeah, this is an even bigger problem. Great. <laughs> it's been, been the focus so, for the last three years, four years. Totally. And it's, I don't know, I don't want to go on a whole <laughs> tangent about regulation and whatever, but like, the people that are tasked with regulating these kinds of issues are so old and so inexperienced and so corrupt. Mm-hmm. Like they take money from these companies mm-hmm. while also completely misunderstanding how they work. Mm-hmm. So like, and 
you know, we're, we're seeing real world disastrous yeah. effects. Like it's not just like little issues. It's like we all hate each other and they make more money when we all hate each other more. Yeah. And what comes after we all hate each other? It's like, I don't, I, I'm genuinely afraid to think about it. Uh, you know, being isolated in pandemic time <laughs> doesn't, doesn't make it any better. <laughs> but I just, I just want to, I just want to really stress, like, we shouldn't all hate each other, even <laughs> if we disagree on things. And we, like, every time you think that the guy on the other team hates you and hates your world of li- way of life, that's not correct. <laughs> that that is just a version of the story where the Facebook or the Google or the Twitter makes the most money off of that story. Yeah. So they want to keep, they want to, they want to present it to us in a way so that they make more money. Yeah. And the government is so far behind keeping them in check that like it's on us to realize that. And it's very hard to realize that. So sorry, I get, I honestly, I get really worked up when I start thinking about these things. No, Um, it's it. it, I mean, when you look at that, it goes along with like the popularity of everything in entertainment as well. And, Absolutely, and, it's all entertainment. Yep. And all of the people on different social medias and and everything like that that are popular get there because of, like you said, extremes of these yep. these hate filled things or these just uh, over the top. And you know, and it's the it's the extremes that keep us the most glued to the screen. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the extremes are the most distorted version of reality. Yeah, and it's like one of many wonderful things about touring. In the same way that growing up in a city exposed me to lots of different cultures and people, mm-hmm. touring also gave me this very unique perspective on like you know people that grew up in completely different circumstances with me are people yeah <laughs> like we're all people and we're all just trying to make sense out of this you know crazy world and we're all just trying to find happiness and like yeah you know provide for our families and and you know there's there's really just like basic human stuff that we all share see and that's i really it it bums me out to a, a crazy degree how much technology profits off of distorting that view yeah and and uh, that's that's a big motivator for what i write about for sure for sure that's i mean that's that's why that's what i blame my show not being the most popular show in the world is is because it doesn't it doesn't have any of that hate in there and nobody wants to listen to it because that same, hey, same with my music. Maybe I need more hate. No, no, we can't turn to more, the dark side, Alan. You can't do I'll it. I have more fans that way. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, now, yeah. uh, along with that, though, obviously your music has a big, I mean, it, it, the theme obviously is around these, these technology ideas, but yep. there's a lot of electronic components. I mean, primarily electronic components in the music. Um, it's a mix. It, it, it's a mix, and I, I um, probably more, more so in the the last record I did 3.0. Mm-hmm. But I, I always try to kind of combine human stuff with mm-hmm. non-human stuff. Gotcha. <laughs> and I think uh, I, I try to think about humanity and whatever the opposite of humanity <laughs> technology i guess yeah i try to think of those two things as textures like i i had a lot of moments where like you know the chair under my piano creaks a little bit while i'm playing this part yeah and i intentionally keep the creaks in there or uh 
you know, I might have like a slight mistake on the way that I play this guitar riff or something. And, and hear the strings ring as you ride up them. Totally. And, yeah. And it's like those those moments remind you that there's a human behind mm-hmm. whatever the sound is, just as much as like the synthetic stuff sounds like there's no humans there. Yeah. And like my brain is very OCD, so I kind of I really like to have things cleanly organized mm-hmm. in how I record stuff. Yeah. So when I when I keep the messy stuff in there, that's a choice to kind of I don't know, and maybe it's, maybe I'm the only person who actually hears these things in my songs, but like to me, I like to have these moments of humanity versus technology kind of come out in the the sound of the music. Mm. It makes sense to balance it, especially with a lot of the the like you said the thematic ideas that you have behind it. Um, what what I mean, obviously, you're doing a lot of you're doing the production, you're doing the the mixing and whatnot. What's your go to yep. software for creation? I do everything in Ableton Live. Oh wow, another Ableton yeah. disciple. We An just, Ableton guy, yeah. We just had uh, Tony yeah, uh, Esterly on the show and he's absolutely in love with it. And Ableton. We yeah. we talked about it because he was like, Yeah, when he cause he's in Nashville now and he said when he first went there. Everybody thought he was insane. He was crazy. <laughs> they'd, they'd be like, "What <laughs> yeah. are you pulling up?" And he's like, "Ableton." They're like, "Huh?" Ableton. Mm-hmm. Yep. I started really early in Ableton, and it's just it's just the one that I learned. Yeah. Uh, and I I'm such a creature of habit that like I don't I don't even want to try to learn another platform. Because yeah. I like how it works for me in Ableton. Yeah. And I think one of the I don't know how dorky you want me to get about this, but like. <laughs> Uh, stop me if I'm going too far. Don't down. don't worry. I already told you we're not popular, so okay. it doesn't matter. Okay. It's perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Um, the stuff that maybe the old school Nashville guys thought was crazy about Ableton, mm-hmm. those kinds of changes have been added to Ableton over the years. In the same way that the stuff that was revolutionary and cool about Ableton, and that was maybe more geared towards live performance and mm-hmm. like DJs and. Yeah, a lot of that has been incorporated into the more traditional recording software. So yeah, it's all all it's all spreading of the out. Platforms are they're kind of all converging. It's well, it's sort of like I I use the the nerdy example when I was talking to Tony. It's basically like you look at operating systems back in the day. The one guy using Apple using a Mac that everybody was like, what. What are you doing? Yep. And they're all on yeah. PCs. And now you look at it, most of your Windows stuff, it's pretty much the same as all the Apple stuff. There's not really that much totally. difference between them. Absolutely. Um, yep. Well, so your first album, 2.0, yep. uh, you, you had you had a whole bunch of guest singers on there. And I and I would yep. say the the biggest was, was Rivers from Weezer. Yeah. Uh, yep. now I heard you say when you got to work with him, that was sort of like the, one of the biggest things in your life. Like, whoa, this guy yeah. has been an it influence. Dream, man. Does, Cause like Weezer was one of those bands when I was in sixth grade, seventh yeah. grade, like Weezer was one of the, you know, the 10 that I was trying to learn obsessively. I like Buddy Holly. grew up on Weezer. Yeah. 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 Then another kind of crazy thing was Rivers went back to. Harvard he was there. Yeah, while I was there. Yeah, and he he went back to finish his English degree, like the same years that I was there. Now, did you see but him? I like, I, no, I never. I saw him, you know, from afar, but I never actually met him. But we talked about that, like when I did 
finally meet him yeah. years later. That's just funny. That's funny, man. It's I feel I feel like I would have been I would have been that creeper that like he would have been on <laughs> campus and I would have just been in the corner like, Oh my god, that's him. That's him. Like, like did so yeah. when when you actually started working with him was it was it uh was it nerve wracking or did you just it was of... it was funny it was uh i had one day to work with him mm-hmm. so it was really like whatever nerve wracking feelings i would have had whatever uh, the range of emotions that i was going going through yeah uh it i had didn't to really be quick. have time to yeah. <laughs> live with them it was kind of like well i only have these hours forever to yeah. work with him so let's let's just get it done yeah <laughs> i remember i got the call that he was available in a few days yeah like maybe i got the call on a monday and it was like he's available on friday and yeah. i lived in new york and he lived in la so it's like okay i need to and, and the way that i like to write with people is that i'll have the majority of the instrumental track is done before i meet with them mm-hmm. so i I had to kind of scramble to get a track started and in presentable shape within, wow. you know, two two or three days. Uh, and the pressure was so crazy that it almost was easier because it was like, I have so little time to do this. And I'm so nervous about not looking like an idiot in front of one of my heroes that like, I got to get it together, man. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so I just kind of, I just, you know, I had a couple of late nights and then I, flew to LA I went straight to his house from the airport and we wrote from I don't know 10 a.m. to like 5 p.m. or something and that was it man <laughs> and we we corresponded over email a bit after that and like you know hey what do you think about this idea what do you think about that but we got pretty much all the recording and writing done that first day and I, I think he sent me a couple of extra like little tweaks and stuff later on, but 95% of the stuff had to be finished in that day. Wow. It was just, it was jam packed, I don't know, but still one of the the best days of the life. One of the most rewarding and exciting. And yeah, just really just incredible experiences. Nice. I I, I don't know. I had to kind of pinch myself and even just talking about it now, I'm like, it's very easy to forget like what a crazy ride (laughs) that was. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's surreal. Um, Well, in addition to that, that album having the song with Rivers on it, you also had, like you mentioned, it had already been released before the album came out, but Dangerous, and in which really exploded. I mean, right now it has sixty million streams on Spotify. The official yeah. video on YouTube has 15 million. It reached number one on the U.S. alternative Billboard charts. It was certified gold. Jeez. Um, I know. I know my listeners are getting tired of me asking this question because I ask it. <laughs> I ask it to a whole bunch of guests about their hit songs. But when you made Dangerous, did you think, yeah, this is it? Like, did you know this is a big hit, or were you just like, oh, no, it's another I mean, song? Not even close. Not even close. It was like, like just to remind, like Dangerous was one of the songs that I wrote when I still had a job and like, you know, when I was still kind of scraping by. It's like, I, I didn't, not only did I think that song, I, I couldn't have even conceived of the trajectory that song yeah. would have had. Yeah. Like, 
if I, I knew that it was special in the sense of like, oh, maybe more than just my friends will listen to this. <laughs> but I definitely didn't think like, I'm going to quit my job forever and go on tour for years and like have reach people. Like I definitely, like I knew it was special, but I did not know it was like yeah anything close to what it became and i I never could have known that now now because it was so big did you find yourself trying to to emulate it when you were making new music after it no i think like uh, i i uh it's complicated this was a complicated one but (laughs) the, the, the music industry basically not to get all whiny about the music industry but the music industry nah, you works can. basically like hey you had success with this thing okay we need to repeat that thing immediately yeah and if you don't feel up to the challenge we can get other people to come in and write it for you and record it for you and we just need to get you back on the road immediately and we need to go 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 yeah and there is there is a there isn't an, an importance to like running with your momentum and like building on something when you have one of those one in a million shots at something yeah but there's also there's a very fine line between like going with your momentum and uh i don't know letting it maybe letting it get the best of you or like take take some of the joy out of the process yeah like making music for me is about trying to fill the gaps in my mind like i like this i like that but i've never heard anything that's in between those things i wish i wish something existed like that oh you know what? I'm gonna try to combine those totally. I'll make it. And yeah, it. and I'll make it. And like that—that's where the joy of music comes from for me. And that—that that is kind of antithetical to how the music industry, with a capital M, I <laughs> usually works. Yeah. So, you know, there were probably people that were grumpy with me that I didn't just try to repeat the same song again. But you know, it's my life and it's my project, and yeah. So I. Well, I mean, I think it shows you, too, that you're not too worried about the popularity of the song. Because, I mean, I think a lot of I think a lot of artists, even if they didn't have people pushing behind them, would do it just because of the response they got. And they're like, I got to get that again. You know, I got yeah. I got to feel that again. And Man, I understand that. I understand that. I just I, I understand why people do that. Yeah. And on some level, I do wish that I could do that but i can't <laughs> like yeah for better or worse like i need to feel challenged and excited about something new in yeah. whatever i'm working on for sure and that's that can be a hard path but it's unfortunately the one that uh, my brain gravitates towards. Yeah. it's the one that works so, the best anyways so it helps knock on wood well, I mean, the, the, the newest project, the thing that you challenged yourself after 2.0 was 3.0, and you you released it in 2019. And so the technology there is sort of like your dissertation on artificial intelligence. Absolutely. Man, again, I cannot believe the extent to which you had done your research. <laughs> I, really, I really am grateful, man. Like... Yeah, People thank you. Usually don't go there. So thank you, thank you. I try, yeah. I try. What can I say? Um, now, yeah. now, I mean, looking at this topic to me, it looks a tad creepy. Yeah. I'm gonna be honest. It, 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 yeah, was it? I mean, did you sort of get yeah. in there and it's, be like, "Wow, this is weird. utterly, utterly terrifying." <laughs> and I would say that, like, 
what you said earlier, I almost brought it up, but I, I figured I'd wait till we got to this, the, <laughs> album, the album stuff. Yeah. Like when we were talking about, um, I don't know, when you read about what's coming next yeah. in life mm-hmm. and it sounds bonkers crazy or mm-hmm. impossible yeah, uh, until it starts happening. And then you're like, it's crazy at first. And then you kind of... You're like, okay, oh, that guy's using it. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll try it. Yeah. Oh, okay, now it's part of my life. Yeah. Oh, okay, now it's just a thing everybody does. Mm-hmm. Now it's totally commonplace, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a great example of, with when elevators were first introduced. I, I forget what year it was. I want to say it was like 1900 or something like that. But Sounds about right. Yeah. Whatever. Some, sometime around then, elevators became a thing. And everybody was terrified about them. All the press about them was like these death the boxes devil. and like <laughs> yeah the devil whatever and then you know they just had to sort of be around for a pretty short a period of time enough for enough people to try them yeah that then they just became totally normalized and now like no one even thinks twice when they step on an elevator a hundred years later yeah obviously and i think we're already seeing that with ai in countless different ways but i think the next next really huge one that's gonna like hit us like a freight train is self-driving cars like yeah self-driving cars already don't seem crazy to a lot of people yeah like on some level many people have already started to kind of accept that that isn't crazy yeah (laughs) and i think like in a year two years certainly three years very few people will think they're crazy and then in 10 years, maybe, you will seem crazy if you don't drive a, have a self-driving car. Yeah. You will seem like a maniac. And you might it, it might not even be legal to, to not have a self-driving car because they're going to be so much safer than human drivers because yeah. we're terrible at driving. Yeah. And, like, it's just one tiny example of, like, how AI is already transforming our lives, but it's only going to get crazier and crazier. Yeah. Well, so, I mean... That's it. I read a whole lot of books about what the future might look like from a pretty broad range of uh, specialists. So the one, if anybody's looking for stuff to read, if they want to feel really optimistic about the future, <laughs> you read you, you read Ray Kurzweil. Okay. He has a whole bunch of different books. But he's he's the, the guy that made the singularity idea popular. Mm. He didn't invent it, but he's, I think he brought it to a larger whatever yeah audience yeah um and he's the guy that's like we're all gonna merge we're gonna merge with technology our brains are gonna be wired into ais and uh we're gonna become a multi-planetary uh species and we're gonna harvest the energy of the sun and we're gonna like he goes into really insane i'm gonna be uh, honest that still sounds pretty creepy to me yeah, but. <laughs> yeah of course but it's like like it goes into like absolutely bonkers future stuff yeah but the way that he gets there is just step by step. Like this kind of technology is happening now. And yeah. this is how technology is going to get a little better. And he breaks it down into medicine. Uh, it's the three R's. Oh God, it's been, been several years since I read it. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm just going to say he's, he's the optimistic one. Let's just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. And we're already starting to see a lot of the things that he was talking about 10 years ago. Or they're already happening. Yeah. For as many optimists as there are, there are just as many pessimists. And those guys are basically like, unless we merge with technology, AI will kill us all. Mm. And it won't even be because it's evil. It'll just be because 
its goal, it, it will have certain goals mm-hmm. uh, that we couldn't have, and we won't be able to anticipate how it thinks about those goals. Mm-hmm. And we won't be able to understand how it thinks. Mm-hmm. And like, you're right. That is more terrifying than the first guy. <laughs> yeah. One of the, one of the best, uh, easier to kind of comprehend versions of it is that movie Ex Machina. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the whole ball game. Seen, have you seen Ex Machina? I have not actually. It's, it's great. It's really, really great. I don't and know. I if you're saying you. it's like that, I don't know if it sounds like But it's, a, it's, it's great. It's entertaining. But it's also like it's very real. Yeah. And it, it seems crazy, but it's also very real and it's very right about how things might play out. Mm. So like it was one of the first things that got me thinking more about the, the distant future. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd recommend Stern. Okay. Okay. I'm pu- I'm putting it um, down. I'm putting it down. I've got I've got my reading list and I've got my watching yeah. list. Well, I got one more one more for the reading list. Yeah. The best the best book to read is Life 3.0. Life That's 3.0. Okay. Because that one that one is not too optimistic or too pessimistic. It's just kind of <laughs> just kind of gives you a range. You're it in, gives you a range of scenarios. You're in AI purgatory with Life yeah. 3.0. Okay. Uh, it's more like. It's more like um, he kind of he, he lays out possible paths that AI could roll out, and if we don't have these kinds of safeguards, then this is the type of AI future gotcha. we might have. If we have the right kind of safeguards, then we might have this benevolent, um, you know, omnipresence that actually looks after us and feeds us all. It's like it's mm. really wild and crazy stuff. It's Anyways, a, it's a choose your destiny book. Got it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Good. Anyways, Good. I read all these books. They made me crazy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I took a lot of notes and I tried to kind of distill it down into my favorite topics. And then I tried to turn those topics into pop songs. <laughs> well, I mean, that definitely. Yeah. That definitely sounds like you did a dissertation then. Yeah, that's what happens. You read a lot of yeah. stuff, you go crazy, and then you sum it up, and you're crazy at the end. There you go. Yeah, 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 that's about right. <laughs> One of those songs, uh, I would say the most popular song of the album, uh, at, least yeah. on, uh, at least on Spotify there, Unglued, um, yep. Now that's not really artificial. It, it, sort of along the same idea. That's taking your thoughts and sort of making them live on in in computer. Yeah, it's it's the idea of turning our brains into information. Yeah, like di- like digital information. Yeah, and that it's the song is literally about uploading the brain into the cloud. Yeah, and you know once you upload your brain. And if computers are powerful enough, which they eventually will be, and your brain, like a perfect representation of your brain exists in a computer, and then that can be replicated or it could be downloaded into another body or like Mm. really crazy bonkers stuff. And it sounds bonkers today, but like, where does it go? There may be a day where the technology gets that sophisticated as possible. That, that is Super intelligent AI. The, the road to super intelligent AI is very long, but it it uh, that that idea of uploading the brain and turning organic matter into information yeah is part is part of that process. Like turning human activity into data is part of the the path to getting to like super duper AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
You, so that's how it's well. So, so now I guess we're up to uh, now as far as your music creation. Have you have yep. you have you started thinking about a a, a new dissertation topic? <laughs> now I think I'm thinking more. I'm thinking less distant future, and I'm, I'm thinking a lot more in terms of like our information diet. Mm. So I'm really thinking a lot more in terms of today, in terms of like um, just the very nature of what reality is, mm-hmm. is really under attack. Yes, and I don't, I don't see a way. I don't see an easy way out, and I don't know that I see any way out. Unfortunately, we're, we're living in a time where like. What you, like you, you, Ben, you, yeah. uh, see as reality may be completely different from what I, Alan, see as reality. Yeah. And we may never know where those differences lie because companies are feeding us those different realities mm-hmm. and they're profiting from, from it. And the way that they feed it to us is... It's all incentivized by what generates the most profit for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the incentives have nothing to do with our well-being, with social discourse, with the fabric of civilization. <laughs> like, none of that is a priority for any of these companies. And governments around the world are so far behind. We, we already kind of talked about this. Sorry if I'm repeating this. <laughs> like, that, this is what I'm really interested in now. It's like yeah. trying to think about just the very idea of truth is kind of like eroding. Yeah. And that's a really scary thing to be living through. And I don't know. I want to, I want to write about it because I'm interested in it, but also like it's important for us all to be thinking about it. Yeah. Like the only way that we sort of get out of that hole is if we talk to each other and we kind of try to get back to some form of objective truth. And it's really hard to do. In this, in the a hundred percent, a hundred percent, in the information diet that we all have today, it's very hard to get there. Well, you, you can. So it's I, like you said, you can cut yourself off and just be in this complete uh, surreal bubble. Uh, totally. That you think everything in that surreal bubble is reality, uh, and yep. it, it is. I guess you could say to to yourself. I mean, that is your reality. Um, yep. But. It's uh yeah and it, it's hard it's hard to break through to other people in those totally. bubbles. Um Yep. So I th- like like the, the, you you break through when you physically encounter other people and when, when you're forced to physically interact. That's and a, I think that's a little tough right the, now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Pan- pandemic is really accelerating a lot of technological change that was already on the horizon. Yeah. So like you know, if companies were already thinking about like, you know, how can I get guys to video conference so that I don't have to pay for office space or you know whatever efficiencies they could find? They're Pandemic basically just said, here you go. Yeah. Skip the next couple of years. They're like, doing it now for sure. It's that much. It's gonna be. It's gonna be that much harder to kind of find that human connection. And I think we have to. We all have to make an effort. Literally, as a species, we have to make an effort. Yeah. To stay connected with each other. Yes. For all of our things. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Well, how many, uh, how, how much material, where do you think you are in the writing process? EP, <laughs> LP, 
what's what's question <laughs> not sure uh, pretty hmm. pretty messy right now i would say i have like little data has ruined like, that <laughs> yeah little data has definitely taken a toll on the the productivity but you know i would say i have probably like five songs that are in pretty good shape but nice. still need some love some love yeah <laughs> and then the other thing i think about a lot is like i don't know if anybody I don't know how much albums matter the way they used to, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to release things. I, I might just kind of just kind of trickle stuff out. A lot, a lot of how... people do singles. It's a just single, yeah. a single world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. And like, I think the other point there is like, 3.0 was a concept album. Yeah, with a capital C. Mm-hmm. This is more like oh. I, I, I'm kind of getting back to the roots of like I find this topic interesting for this song, mm-hmm. and I find that topic interesting for that song. So it's it's less important that these things are part of one, you know, chunk. Got it, got it. So, yeah. so, so the listeners need to just keep keep their eyes peeled for potential big <laughs> <Yeah>. data. <laughs> I, I, just tell them I appreciate their patience, and unfortunately, I need them to keep yes, patience. yes. <laughs> Hey, good work takes time, guys. It takes time. Yeah, yeah. Unless Rivers yeah. shows up tomorrow, he's not going to be yeah, making yeah. anything soon. There you go. Yeah, if you guys want to call Rivers and get him get him out to Brooklyn, <laughs> maybe I'll get my act together in the case. But. Alan, we are up against a break, man, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Absolutely. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. And again, thank you for doing all that homework i really appreciate it i i i appreciate you taking the time anytime i like to reach out i like to have the social interaction whether it be over the phone or whether it be in person it's still good (laughs) you know yeah definitely definitely well listeners you can check big data out on uh apple spotify or at bigdata.fm or follow them on instagram at big data big data right now let's take a listen to unglued right here on the doc g show Here on the Doc G show, big data, 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 data. Yeah. Woo, data. Woo. You you prefer you're a data man. I'm a data guy. I only I honestly go back and forth. I I literally like I'll use data sometimes, and then I use data sometimes. So true. I just right. I, I th- there are, there tomorrow. are very few things actually that you have different pronunciations that I really care that much, like. Whatever, right. <laughs> whatever a person uses that I'm around, I'll just be like, yeah, all right, whatever. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, like aunt and aunt. Sure. I usually say aunt, but if somebody keeps saying aunt, I'll just be like, eh, aunt, whatever. You know, like, yeah. or or uh, another good one, like uh, cursing or cussing. I usually say cussing, but if somebody keeps saying cursing, I'm just like, nah, I'll go cursing, whatever. Fine. Like, <laughs> 
doesn't doesn't really bother me like too a much. Chameleon, yeah, well, it's, a chameleon doc. You know, I'm just like, who cares? Like, I, I love when people yeah. get so offended by something like that. They're like, no, no, that is the way you say it. And I'm oh like, my gosh, you say it that way? Yeah, and I'm just like, who cares? Word. Mm, who cares? Like, say it whatever you want. Anyway, I got really sidetracked. Big data, man. <laughs> Big data. Data. Sorry, I'll keep it with yours. Big data. It's good stuff, man. Went to Harvard. Made me feel a little dumb. I'm not going to lie. Dude. You know? I get, I, get, I, get, yeah. I get a little self-conscious when I'm around somebody that's that, that went to a big deal Ivy League. I'm like, oh, oh that's good. That's, mm. that's some good stuff right there, you know? That's a fact. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I uh, dream, uh, I daydream about, like, going back just for an undergrad degree at, like, a Harvard, you know? Just, just to get the yeah. feel. Just like, yeah. Because I think I could get in, right? If you have a PhD, I feel I like that's pretty so. good. Right? I feel like that's a good application starter. Hey, I've already got a PhD. Does that count for anything? That'd be really sad if they're like, no, moron. Oh. You're like, I want to live in the dorms. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do it all again. <laughs> then they immediately just put on, like, my application predator. Oh, no. That's bad. Oh. Hey, come on. Anyways, I keep getting sidetracked. Big data, man. Fantastic. You need to go check out that most recent release, 3.0. He's got some new stuff yes, coming sir. out. Very cool. You just heard Unglued, which I was a big fan of. Very cool song. Just good stuff, man. Good stuff. Glad to hear he's doing well. Hope Tony is still doing well. Tony the dog, man. Living out... Mm -hmm. He's he's in his senior years. He's getting up there, man. Tony's like 13, I think he said. He's either 13 or 14. Pretty old, man. Living the life in New York. Pretty. How old is Storm? Four years? Six. Six. Wow. What? Where did those two years come from? I was thinking he four. He just turned six in November. Wow. He was five. Man, he's he's like he's like middle age. He's like I know he's a middle-aged man. He's he's a grumpy middle-aged man. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, anyways, thanks to Big Data for coming on the show. Fantastic, yes, sir. We appreciate it. Okay, Dave. You know what time it is? Shoe and tell, baby. Shoe and tell. I think it's twenty-nine. Hmm. I can't even remember We're now. I'm pretty sure We're it's twenty-nine. There. I don't think we've hit the big three-zero. I was thinking last time that we had one in between. If I if we did hit big 3-0, I apologize, guys. But I'm pretty positive it's 29. <laughs> I'm sorry if right. it did. Uh, this one, we got a really weird one this week. I pulled out one of my bizarre, uh, my bizarre pieces in the collection. Are you ready? Hmm. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. I've got the AJF 12s. Wait, what? AJF. F12? AJF12s. This is the combination of the Air Force Ones with the Air oh. Jordan 12s. Oh, the Air Jordan Fusion. Okay. Yes. I got you. Yes. The wow. Is it black? The black suede with the. The white? Yes, the traditionals. Yes, the original ones. These are the first AJ Fusions. These are really the only Fusions that did well, too. That's a fact. Pretty much all the other Fusions I, didn't do well. I don't do remember well. these doing well. These did pretty well, actually. They were pretty popular, uh, but like, uh, I, I looked at... What year at, did these come out? I think 2007? 2008. Eight. Yeah, okay. 2008. 
Um, yeah, these, I looked at some of the reviews of these. My God, did they get crushed. They got crushed yeah, on all these. The, all the fusions were bad. Now, uh, some of those were just absolutely hideous. I think these look yeah. pretty good, though. These don't look that bad. They 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 merge well. No, it's pretty it's pretty easy to yeah. The the colorway was just easy to to throw that you know subtle whites in there. Yeah, you just got the black on the front. You got the strap on the top. Like they they look. I mean, they look pretty. They fused them pretty well. They they look pretty yeah. nice. These are these are dead stock, my friend. They're still dead stock. Oh, dead stock! Wow. Yeah. So they are, even though they aren't that popular, they got a pretty uh, hefty mm -hmm. price tag on uh, on stock X. If somebody's looking to pull these out, I mean, it's amazing, oh. dude. These you like you just said, 2008, 12 years old. They still yeah. got the new shoes got, now. They're collecting dust. They oh really. Yeah, they still have, and they That's got impressive. no. They've got no dust on them because they got a really good. They got a real good uh, box. It's got like this plastic sleeve on the inside, so mm -hmm. kept mm -hmm. very well. Kept very well. Yes! I'm, in fact. That's enough. I'm gonna. I'm putting them back in the box. I'm getting worried now. That's a fact. I'm getting worried. They're gonna. Love it. They're gonna get. They're. Somebody's gonna come in the studio and and swipe my AJF 12s. I can't. Can't have that happen. Somebody will act like they think they're they're ugly, and then when I'm not looking, you, just steal. You them. know, it's funny the the four Air Force Ones have come back into style this year. I oh, thought yeah. that would never happen again. Yeah, they had a big release of them, dude. They had like uh, I don't yeah. know how many different styles. My man Jalen that works at uh, at uh, Finish Line, he's always putting mm -hmm. he's always putting the, the the hot shoes, all the all the the current releases out on a Snapchat before mm -hmm. they actually come out. Mm -hmm. He goes in the back, yeah. puts them out there, lets you know what's coming out hot. Ton of ton of AJs right. uh, or ton of AFs, man. man. Air Force is coming yeah. out. Pretty wild. Yeah, so many. Didn't and they're selling out? It's crazy. Yeah, well, you know they come and go, man. They're such a they're such a uh, uh, you know figurehead iconic. In, yeah, they're fi yeah. figurehead in the shoe world. So they just they cycle back sure. around. But anyways, there you go, man. The wild card. AJF-12s right there. Look what? At that. Love what? it, man. What? Weird. It. Weird. Dead stock. Anyways. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's, let's do this last birthday suit. What we got suit. coming up? Oh, birthday suit. Yeah, All don't right. forget the third one. Don't jump, man. Don't jump. I know. I need, I need to get over 50. Let's go. I don't know if you're going to get this one. Nope. 50%. Uh, all right. I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. You're you're not big into politics. This is politics. Nope. Um. So, right. so I'm gonna. I'm. I'm. She's a big name in politics, but still, I'm giving mm -hmm. you 44 percent. Hmm. So, okay. Okay. So born on December 9th, nineteen seventy three, in Madison, Wisconsin. She did not mm -hmm. live in Madison for very long. Her family moved to Gulfport, Mississippi. Before her family moved to Atlanta when she was in high school. While in high school, she was hired on a congressional campaign as a speechwriter in high school. Hmm. 
What? Jeez. She was valedictorian of her high school and ended up going to Spelman College. She went to the University of Texas where she earned a degree in Masters of Public Affairs. And then she went on to earn her law degree from Yale Law School. Wow. She worked as a tax attorney for several years before she was appointed deputy city attorney for the city of Atlanta. She then ran for the Georgia House of Representatives in 2006 and ended up serving five terms. In 2017, she ran for the governor of Georgia and lost by a razor-thin margin to Brian Kemp. In the 2020 election, the recent 2020 presidential election, she is credited for the very, very high black turnout in Georgia this last election. Name that birthday suit wearer. Dang, I got no idea on that one either. Yeah, see, I figured. I uh, figured. Let me see if this name rings a bell. Stacy Abrams. That ring a bell? No, nothing. Stacy Abrams, my friend. Get to know her. Get to know her. She All is, right. she That's is a, homework. seems like a very friendly lady. I've never actually met her in person, obviously, but she seems very nice. Yeah. Uh, she works Sounds very smart. hard for the, uh, for the, uh, yeah. for the uh, state of Georgia. African-American community. And, yes, and, and indeed, she, uh, and she was. She was uh, the African-American turnout in uh in georgia went through the roof and many people credited her with her get out the vote campaign of trying to increase that vote uh so well happy birthday stacy yes turning the big four seven for stacy still got get it girl still got a lot of career to go a lot of career a lot of life and politic left yes yes happy birthday stacy enjoy it uh dave it's time to tell you i am very excited about next week's show very excited. Yeah, you are. We have got a fantastic artist, fantastic songwriter, Ward mm-hmm. Davis. Ward Davis. Yes. Uh, you may have heard Ward Davis. If you have heard the song by Cody Jinx, I'm Not the Devil, he co-wrote that song with Ward Davis. If you know the song nice. that Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard sang called Unfair Weather Friend, he wrote that mm-hmm. song. That's right. Yeah. This man is such a good musician, such a good artist, and such a fun guy to talk to. I can't wait. It's going to be a fantastic interview. We've got him coming on the show next week. Very excited. Yes, Very sir. Excited. Uh, I miss it, yo. Now, I'm still working out uh, the last show of the year. Now, keep in mind, guys, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. We're going to be gone for two weeks. <laughs> Prepare yourself. You're going to have to listen to old shows (laughs) over the Christmas break. We've got Christmas. We've got got New Year's. So we're going to be gone for two weeks. You got to get ready. Don't worry. I'm going to keep the Instagram hot. You'll know what to listen by the Instagram. But still, there won't actually be a show. So I just want you to mentally prepare yourself now for that. You've got two shows left uh, left of the year, and then we're going to take a break. And to be honest, this is the first break that I've taken in two years from this show. Right. Two it years. Has indeed. Because last we normally go straight through. Because last year we didn't miss a show from last year from 2019 to 2020. 
So we're taking a break this year. So, yep. you know, it's crazy. We earned it. It's it, okay. I, it's crazy. I don't know if I'll be able to do it. I might just call you up a week into that break and be like, no, no, no. We'll just talk. We're going we'll we're, just talk for two hours. We're going next <laughs> week. We're going to record it. We're going next week. Anyways, guys, until next week, we got to wrap it up. I've been your host, Doc G. And with me, the guy that is ever climbing the co-host ladder, 63% and counting, Dave Burles, Berlin. Say what? Yes, sir. That was another one. Add it up. Add it up. Keep it going. The the fractions get higher. The fractions get higher. Yes, sir. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity-doo-dah.